Welcome to another conversation from Sheila Speaks. This conversation today and always is designed to educate, uplift, empower, and have transformational conversations that can shift and contribute to the quality of our lives for all. Thank you so much again for being here. Today's conversation, I want to begin to share with you a defining moment in my life. A defining moment in my life, what's yours and what's incomplete? What's incomplete in this whole entire conversation that we're dealing with and have been dealing with as a nation since the death of George Floyd? So there I was, 11 years old, April 4th, 1968 watching TV with my brother Wendell and my sister Deborah. Going flashing across the TV, a man had been shot and killed. In that moment, I heard my mother crying and sobbing, and I had never seen her like that, ever. She screamed, they killed ML, they killed ML. And then she laid across her bed and she was just crying. That man was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a great friend of my parents, the late great Reverend Julius James and Mrs. Gloria James. My dad and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. were friends and classmates and colleagues at Morehouse College. He and Mrs. King had frequented our home and they were very close, and they affectionately called him ML. As I watched TV, it was very intense. My eyes were glued. My sister and brother, Deborah and Wendell, their eyes were glued. My dad began to pack his bags to go to Atlanta. And I thought, and asked my mother, well, why is he going? Will they kill him too? I was very concerned. I was very afraid. And my father did in fact attend the funeral and he did in fact come home safe and unharmed. Before that, I was born into the movement. After that, I was of the movement. In that moment, I began to listen. I began to learn and educate myself, and I became about change and making a difference. This was a defining moment in my life. When I look at George Floyd, and by the way, in an earlier segment, in an earlier conversation, we said that he had three children, and I want to stand corrected in that he had five children. And we want to make sure you note that we got that correction. So when I look at George Floyd and the many who came before him, George Floyd's death has given our lives, our country, this world, 
a new hope, a new possibility, a new future, a new moment in time where we can, in fact, invent, innovate, and imagine without question America invented, innovated, innovation, and imagination from 2020 and beyond, 2020 and forever, 2020 and for the rest of our lives. And where I assert, my assertion, is where we want to begin to go to work. And this is Sheila James. This is Sheila Speaks. You get to speak too. But this is what Sheila's saying. We've got to examine and deal with what is left unsaid in America. What is unacknowledged? What is unknown? What is there to be invented? Innovation and imagined, created. See, before the knee was on the neck, and I want you to listen to me carefully. Before the knee was on the neck, there were shackles on our feet. There were shackles on our feet. That's the way in which African Americans, black people, colored people, Negroes came to this land. Shackles on our feet. So we have got to, as a great human being and one of the and a great leader and one of the great organizations of our time would say, we have to drill all the way down and get to the bottom. We have to get every single aspect of what's incomplete, the good, the bad, the ugly the not so pretty, the what I'm now ashamed of, to I can't believe we did that, or I can't believe I tolerated that. We've got to get all the way down to the bottom. It's like having a symptom for something that needs to be healed, but for the doctor to really heal it or for us to heal it, you got to get down to the bottom, to the source of it. When you can get to the source of it, it can stop repeating itself. You got to get to what keeps giving this behavior. By the way, I'm not saying that I know it all and how to do it. But I do have some recommendations. There must be an experiential, transformational platform or program with all races to acknowledge, with all races to heal, mourn, for each of us to really be with the impact and the cost of the past so that we can actually put the past in the past where it belongs and create a new future that is inclusive, compassionate, 
And then, and only then, instead of saying as a cliche, which is still would be a cliche, a world that works for everyone with nothing and no one left out, it will in fact be a world that works for everyone with nothing and no one left out. The past must get acknowledged. There must be a reconciliation. There must be the dealing with what's incomplete. Well, what do you mean by incomplete? The definition of incomplete. Not having all the necessary or appropriate parts. The records are patchy, like the records of slavery are patchy and incomplete. Some of the similar meanings of incomplete Deficient, insufficient, imperfect, defective, patchy, sketchy, fragmentary, not entire, not whole, restricted, it's not full or finished. So it's all incomplete. And that work is a different kind of work than the doing and the actions. That work will allow for the being of a new citizen, of a new human being, of a new context in which we live life. And I'm going to speak now particularly and specifically in the United States of America. So I'm not going to get this all done in this conversation. And I want to create and leave you with, everyone keeps saying, where do we go from here? So first of all, the experiential, transformative conversation, context, program, the meeting of the minds. And the minds know who they are. The second thing I see, and uh, well, the first that's the first thing. The second thing I see, is the criminal justice reform, which includes police reform and prison reform. Now, this one is something I'm passionate about. So I'm going to say a few things about it. So there's enough conversation. People are on the court in the game of police reform and police brutality. But I want to speak to something that's near and dear to my heart. And going into this election year, we've got to be mindful of, you know, in this country, we charge young people as adults and then we go to sleep afterwards. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I see it and I see a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old, I can't, I have a hard time going to sleep when they say they're going to be charged as adults. And we say that like that's okay. It's not okay. We've got to stop locking people up and throwing away the key. So prison reform, law reform. You know, sometimes if you've ever been in a court, once once I went to a court when a friend of mine's brother uh, was in court for being the driver of a car, where someone robbed a bank, I think they took $1,000. He was a very young man, and he went to jail for 20 years for driving the car. 
He was also a college student, straight A's, at Clark Atlanta University, who did something stupid. However, the next 20 years of his life, he was in jail. What, what am I pointing to? Excessive sentencing. Like excessive, cruel, and unusual punishment and sentencing. And transitioning powerfully out of the system when they do come out. And we got to hold accountable our judges, the law, public defenders. That's a big area. Criminal justice is massive, but there are some things that need our immediate attention. There are fathers and mothers and aunts and uncles losing their young children and sometimes older to excessive time behind bars. That needs to be re-examined and, and dealt with immediately. Also, inside criminal justice, I don't know about you, but what has happened to the Mexicans at the border? No one talks about that anymore. Children were being separated from their moms, dads, relatives. They were already being abused and molested. What's happening with them with COVID? We can't forget about people. We can't get so wrapped up in one thing that we forget about this other thing. So we've got to include it all. Prison, reform, caring about people. Another area with prison reform is this whole plea bargaining. So they have the prisoner the, or the potential prisoner lie to avoid trial or life in prison. So they don't necessarily plea the truth. It's for lessening their time in prison. And we've been given time in prison like it's handing out government cheese. And if you don't know what government cheese is, Google it. So that's one big area. And I could go on and on and just stick with that. However, while the window of opportunity is wide open for, trans for transforming the United States of America, I want to hit on a few others. The next area for me is education reform, starting with history and rewriting our history, including slavery, including health and history, including creating history in the United States of America, not what sounds pretty, but actually what's so, the facts, what actually happened that is inclusive of all races, of all creeds, and how this country really got started, how it was built, and how it works. Here's another really big thing for me is ending poverty. We want to end poverty and the disempowering conversations that give poverty and has it perpetuate itself from generation to generation. Now, this whole movement that has happened in our society has had me thinking up at night, starting to actually get clear about some things I wasn't clear about, starting to have me be freed up in areas where I wasn't freed up. And I started to look at some of the inner cities, like the inner city, the Atlanta, my hometown of Gary, Indiana, and ask myself, what is the communication? All the boarded up buildings and the 
the the nastiness or the unkemptness. What is this area communicating? And homelessness. And I'm not saying I did discover a few things for myself, but there's just been an impact in the way in which we've stepped over our history, our government, and the way this country has been run. Which brings us to the economic reform and education and inclusion. And for the first time, I really did get for myself that you do owe us. I really got reparations. Before I hadn't paid it much attention. We've built, we've participated, we've contributed to pretty much every product, every building, every recipe, every clothing without pay. The land of my fathers and forefathers were stolen. Many of us were killed, robbed, lynched, the whole nine yards. And while all of that would also be connected to the, the transformational, experiential completion of what happened on this soil, there's also an opportunity. You can't correct it all, but there are some things that we can impact. So reparations. And then there's civics and citizenship, which really goes into education inside the rewriting and writing history, inclusions of all of it, training all American citizens, specifically our children and our young people. So there's this whole world of what we can create and what we can begin to be responsible for. Sensitivity and compassion for one another. Honoring the neighbor. Economic sharing, contribution, and distribution. So again, these are Sheila's seven. And this is what I've seen inside of now this new defining moment. It's time to take action. It's time for all of us to really get on the court, to execute, to plan, to really do the thinking, to reinvent ourselves. In other words, this is the window of opportunity. This is the opening to be free. <laughs> like to stop surviving America, to stop surviving life, to the opportunity of full engagement, participation, equality, the whole nine yards versus surviving and fixing and trying to change. This is our moment in time. And that time is here and that time is now. There's a line in a song many of us know, that's the way of the world, sung by Earth, Wind and Fire, where they say, a child is born, and I quote, a child is born with a heart of gold, the way of the world, makes that heart turn cold, unquote. What I want to leave you with is that all anyone wants is to be loved, to be known, 
to be recreated. All anybody wants is to contribute to make a difference and to communicate and be expressed and for that expression to be received. And again, I believe in connectivity, connecting commitments, what we're committed to, to the abundance of resources we have for the empowerment of all. We have everything we need. Let's get to work. I love you. God bless you. And thank you for listening. Thank you.